Okay, am I on? Cool. Um, I'm not worthy of the, of the pedestal, so I'm just going to stand out here with the people. Um, this whole, uh, this, this whole um, thing of being asked to speak at RCC was, I mean, I've spoken in a number of places before. This place makes me nervous. I don't know why. Um, it reminds me of when I was asked to speak at Briarwood Presbyterian Church for their visitor's luncheon. Now, it doesn't sound like a big deal to be invited to speak at a visitor's luncheon, but at Briarwood, it really was. It's a, it's a very large church, and they had 3,000 people show up at their visitor's luncheon. Um, the two speakers uh, prior to me were Vice President Dan Quayle and Miss America. And, and so I'm supposed to stand up and impress, right? Well, I remember turning to the guy who stuck out his neck to invite me to feel this unique speaking opportunity. And... Uh, I whispered to him about two minutes before I was supposed to go up. I said, I have no idea what I'm going to say. (laughs) Well, I was being truthful, but I watched him turn into a ghostly white uh, color. And so anyway, Antley, I have no idea what I'm going to say. But I do trust that the Holy Spirit will will lead me. Um, If you don't mind, I'd like to to pray and hide behind Jesus so that you might see him. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and privilege it is to be an ambassador in your kingdom. To have received so much, though we were enemies, though we had rebelled against your kingdom, yet you redeemed us by the blood of your own son. And you called us into a reconciled fellowship with you and you have called us your children. And we praise you for that. And so now I ask, Lord, that you would show yourself and I might hide behind you and you might be powerful, that you might bring wisdom, that you might bring this love. And may it impact us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I went to seminary, but I, I never fancied myself a, a normal preacher um, at all. I never thought of myself as becoming a pastor of a church. There were just too many ways in which I was an odd person for me to occupy that kind of a normal ministry um, situation. But I, I, I had the opportunity to... Um, to launch a, an inner city ministry in in New Orleans, Louisiana, in the Upper Ninth Ward, and um, my entry into the community was through coaching. I volunteer coached at Carver High School and used that as my inroad into into the youth community. And I discovered that I was born to coach. I was. I, I loved it, and the person that you, uh, those of you who know me, may have experienced, you'd be shocked 
to watch me on the sideline because I was a madman. And, and, and sometimes when I preach, the coach comes out of me. And I may raise my voice at different times, but I want you to know that it's, it's all for, for, for love of the gospel. And there is, as Martha, uh, I think it was Martha praying um, earlier, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And yet, every one of us needs a good coach. And sometimes, like, guys, you know this, right, that... You know, coaches don't, in halftime speeches, um, speak softly. They, they, they motivate through, um, well, you know what I'm saying, right? Um, you're going to get some of that and just prepare yourself, okay? Um, all right, so let's go back to the beginning um, in, in the book of Genesis. The first three words of the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God. Berashit bera Elohim. That's the Hebrew. I wasn't speaking in tongues. I know Martha was getting excited. (laughs) Um, In the beginning, God. Now, in John chapter 1... It says this, in the beginning was the Word. Now, isn't that an interesting correlation? John is using the, the, the introduction of his gospel. He's, he, he's borrowing the language of the book of Genesis. And what is he doing that for? Because he's contrasting the old creation with what is now the new creation in Christ. There is a new beginning. Now, if we go back to the, to the old, there are certain things that we learn about our relationship to God and what He mandates us to do. It says in, 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 in the book of... I'm going to pull out my cheat, cheat sheet. It says in, in the book of Genesis that we are, are charged with a couple of things. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says... Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. That's a very interesting statement, is it not? That that God said, let let us make man in our image and let, let them have dominion. In other words, God in his nature, in his very nature, is king. In his nature, he rules. He has dominion. And when he created us, he created us uniquely to share in his kingdom rule. Isn't that cool? From the jump, we were called to have dominion. We were called to share with him in his kingdom rule. And we know that things went astray. But but now in Christ, all that All of that is being restored to us. You and I are called in Christ to become uh, kingdom ambassadors, to exercise dominion, to, to make his name great, to glorify him, to see his kingdom come. That's awfully cool. And, and when, when you think, I don't know, uh, when, when I wake up in the morning, 
I typically don't think of myself as an ambassador for the King of Kings. I have to remind myself of that. And, and obviously, to be someone who takes on such a huge responsibility, there's a process whereby I become qualified to do so. And the only process whereby someone like me, broken, sinful as I am, can become qualified to become an ambassador in his kingdom is by God's grace. You know, I've been at River City Church for how long? How long have we been here, Lori? Three or four years. No, it hadn't been four because I've been here for four. So about three years. <clears throat> and I've come, to, um, I've come to experience River City Church. And there are things that I just love about River City Church. Obviously, I love the worship. You may not even think that I, I do because sometimes... I'm not as demonstrative as some of you. <clears throat> I'm entertained by your demonstrative, demonstrativeness. Um, but largely, you know, Antley talked about people having different styles of worship. I, 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 like to, I like to crawl into my own skin and imagine the shepherd holding his sheep um, and loving his son in spite of his brokenness. And to, to, um, to think about his promises. And I do that best internally. And, and yet, y'all are free to do whatever you do. Um, but that's, that's my thing. There's a lot of things I love about RCC. I love the worship. I love the worship. I really love our pastor. Um, warts and all. <clears throat> I love the guy, and I'll tell you, it's not so much that he's witty. He is witty. That's not what draws me to him. What draws me to him most is that um, I think I can count on him in my darkest hour, not to be judged, but to be ministered to by grace. He has already done that with me. And I'm going to tell you that that's the kind of cornerstone I want to build my involvement in any church. I want, to, I, want to, I want a pastor who is grace-centered. And I want a church, I want to be a part of a church that understands deeply the concept of grace. My, uh, when I was at Desire Street, there was a young man who uh, in the early days in our Bible studies, we had Bible studies in my home, just like we're having Bible studies in our home here in Jacksonville. And Javon Jones, whose name is now Javon Rennell, he chose to change his name when he married Tara to Rennell, which means the joy of the Lord. And, and anyway, Javon asked me a, a question. He says, Coach Mo." He says, are you a real Christian? Well, to me, that was a kind of an odd question because 
Because I think, I think it's a redundant question. I mean, it's not necessary. Are, are you a Christian or are you not? You're embraced by the love of God. You've accepted the free gift of salvation. Or you haven't. <clears throat> and that's kind of the answer that I gave to him. But he wasn't satisfied with my answer because in many ways my answer was not right. There are expressions of religion that God accepts and there's expressions that he rejects. And it is not uh, unusual for Christians to internalize a false religion. It's, it's not uncommon at all. And it's the reason that you and I need to periodically, if not daily, repent of our own religion and embrace the religion of Christ, which is all about and starts with His grace towards us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, says this. This is a, a, a famous um, couplet of scriptures. It says, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. In other words, your salvation is not your work. Your salvation is not something you achieved. Your salvation is something that was given to you by God's grace and by His grace alone. And the faith that you exercised in Him also was a gift to you. You did nothing to receive it. And this passage is oftentimes... uh, used to to remind us that we are justified by faith alone and by God's grace. And and, and oftentimes this passage is used to diminish the importance of good works. That good works are, are not what saves you, and that is true. But listen to what it says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are saved by his grace, but we are, we are saved for a purpose. We were given his grace that we might reflect it through works of grace to the world. Your works do not save you, but you were born to work in His kingdom. Exercising the dominion that He has doled out to you that you might glorify His. So, in response to the grace that you and I receive in Christ and in the gospel, we are now the recipients. We are also now the ambassadors of the same. Those of us who understand how serious is God's grace towards us can't help but to respond in like manner towards others. 
those of us who have received grace represented to others. That's who we are. That's what we do. We were not meant to be the recipients only to internalize the good grace and love of our Father. This is what I love, another thing that I love about RCC. The four pillars are just just brilliant. I don't know who came up with them, but they are brilliant. The emphasis of our church is on the love of the Father and life in the Spirit, which results in a compassion towards those who are lost and especially those who are poor and are hurting. In other words, what Paul is saying and what we're saying and agreeing with is that you and I, though we were saved by grace and we contributed nothing to it because of that, now we become the active agents of that grace and that mercy to the world. Kedrick Levy was one of the young men in our ministry in, in New Orleans at Desire Street. And uh, he said a, a number of extraordinary things that I commonly quote. Um, but I was teaching a class, kind of a theology class, that I was teaching in, in partnership in tandem with Richard Pratt, who is a serious theologian, um, and I'm not. But he uh, was coming after me, and I was supposed to kind of prepare the way. I was like the John the Baptist. He was the Jesus. He was going to come and fix everything that I that I messed up. And, and so I was teaching this theology class to the young men who were fast becoming the leaders of our ministry and church. And so I was pouring um, out into them through these different classes. And I remember, I, I mean, I don't remember what I was teaching, but it had something to do with what God has done toward us in our salvation and all that he has established in us in our salvation, all the, the new titles that we have because of our salvation, all of the new privileges that we have because of our salvation. I was teaching these things, and then I noticed that in the back left corner of the room, Levy had bowed his head, and he was sobbing in his arms like this. I mean, he was... He was not just shedding a couple of tears. He was sobbing. And of course, at that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I say? And so I said, Levy, are you okay? And he came up out of his arm, hiding his face, and he says, Coach, this ain't right. Well, you know, we're teachers, preacher types. We can be sensitive, right? And... So, like, what did I say that wasn't right? And is this going to turn into some kind of theological debate of some kind? And I said, Levy, what do you mean? And this is what he said. He says, coaches, I'm sitting here listening to you teach us these things. I'm fully aware of the fact that there's probably millions of people all over the world who would die to hear what I'm hearing. And coach, it's not right that God would call me 
to hear these things. He said, Coach, do you understand what you've done? He says, Coach, by you teaching us all of these things about God's grace, about God's love, about God's mercy, you're making us obligated to the entire world. And I recognized in that moment that Levy got it. I've never sat under better preaching than I have here concerning God's grace and the Father's love and life in the Spirit. I'm so thankful. I remember the first sermon that I heard Antley preach. It was on Easter. And it was an odd sermon. It was the sermon where Jesus was um, scattering the merchants out of the temple. um, Turning over tables and all that kind of stuff. And I remember at the end he he played a, a snippet of a movie from Finding Nemo. And it was the scene where little Nemo heard for the first time that his father had swam the entire ocean in pursuit of him. I'm so stupid. I used to be, when I was 40 years old and younger, I I could count the times that I had wept on one hand. Now that I'm over 40, I weep at Flintstone commercials. (laughs) And so it's just like, it, it hit me. Do you know how great is the Father's love for you? Do you know how far He went to save you by His grace? Now do you understand that he wants to privilege you with a a position, with a title in his kingdom to ambassador that grace to Jacksonville? What a privilege! If we internalized all that it is that he has given to us in the gospel, how could Jacksonville... Stand up against so much. Thankfulness. We would have to show it to somebody else. So. One of my life passages. Is the story. Of. The leper. You know the story where. Um. Jesus walked into one of the towns and a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And, uh, but it's important that we read and understand that, that passage in its context. Because the story behind it, just before it, is a story where Jesus calls Peter to be his disciple. You know, he was out fishing, he came in, he had caught no fish... They were on the shore. Jesus calls out to them. Um, 
after climbing to, into his boat and preaching. And then he calls out to Peter and says, hey, let's go fishing. And uh, Peter says, I've been out all night long. We caught nothing. And uh, nevertheless, because he was a man of the cloth, he climbed into the boat. They went out a little from shore. They dropped their nets, and the nets were so full of fish that they couldn't pull them all in. And those that they could began to sink their boats. So they called in other boats to, to take in the, the fish that they had caught. Well, this, this is what happened. And then Peter realized that he was in the presence of someone so much greater than himself. And he fell to his knees, and he cried out to, to, to Jesus. He says, he says, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew how inadequate he was. And I, I just get the sense that when Jesus said this, he said it kind of laughing at Peter. He says, don't worry. From now on, you'll be catching men. Then the next story is Jesus touching a leper. You know, he, he came before Jesus and said, If you're willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Now, we could spend a great deal of time unpacking those three words, the great I am, willing. But Jesus stretched out out his hand and touched the man. Two verbs. What are they? Y'all don't sound like charismatics at the moment. <clears throat> Two verbs. I was talking to David um, and I was talking to Emily and I don't even remember the context, Emily, but you use the word stretched. I think we were talking about exercising faith and how God is, ah, he's so frustrating sometimes because it's like it would be so much easier if he would deliver his provision in our timing. <laughs> that we would sell our houses When we need them to be sold. And I think that Emily said, I think God is trying to stretch us. Listen, if we are called to make a difference in our city, and especially in, listen, and especially if we put actions behind our vision and minister to the poor and the hurting. Prepare yourself to be stretched. You're not going to be able to do this within your own agenda, within your limited resources. You're going to have to be stretched. But you have to be willing to stretch you have to have that spirit of willingness to, 
to let God take you into new directions and, and, to, and, and to bust through your, your, uh, your, your cultural expectations, your preferences, all of those things. You're going to have to be stretched. And you're going to have to touch people. When you think about what Jesus was doing here, Jesus was touching what it was not legal to touch. What the Mosaic instruction had had forbidden. And so he was willing, Jesus, to become unclean for the redemption of of this person. You're going to have to be willing to get your hands dirty. It won't be easy. It's fun to think about vision in the theoretical and to embrace those ideals that we know to be true. It's entirely another to deal with broken people. And here's the thing. The problem is that we forget how broken we were when Jesus reached out to us. And so the thing is, it's not so much to wake up and motivate ourselves to go to work. The objective really is every day you need to hear the gospel again. How lost you were when he found you. How desperate you were when he poured into your heart a new hope. None of us know what this will look like for ourselves. I never thought that all of this would lead me to running a cigar shop. Some of you think, what a life. Sitting in a cigar shop and smoking cigars for a living. And it is wonderful. <laughs> and some of you I know are, are you know, recovering Holy Rollers and, and, and Health Brigade uh, members. And you think of smoke as evil, but what... What you intend for evil, I intend for good. <clears throat> and by the way, if, if you intend to be with God in His temple, you need to go read Isaiah 6. Help me out here, Martha. The angels sang, holy, 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 and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. <laughs> some of you say, some of you say, Some of you say, I just am not comfortable around the smoke. Well, there are no back rooms in the temple of God. You better get used to it. I say all that to say that I don't, I didn't know that God would lead me to this. And, 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 um, while there's part of it, I I enjoy, there's another part of it that's very difficult Sitting and listening to men who need to hear grace, but yet have welled up in pride and 
And so I, I walk with them and I, and I, I love them. It's funny. It's become a little church. Some people refer to it as a cigar shop. I've always imagined that the, the most ideal church ever would have a walk-in humidor. <laughs> but I talked to Antley about that. <laughs> and so I just decided to build a walk-in humidor and do church on the inside of it. And there's a sense in which this is an example Not that I'm an example, but this is the way that God works. God builds his church where he calls us. And wherever it is that he has called you, he has called you to ambassador his kingdom. In response to the grace that you have received, to the salvation that you have internalized, that you are only asked to externalize what he has internalized. That's all. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, I just ask that every day you would remind us of the gospel. That you might discipline us to preach the gospel to our own soul. That we might remember how far you have brought us how much you have given us and and may the proper response to all of that be our thankfulness and service to you and our thankful and service to those whom you love come and do this Lord and I pray by your spirit that River City Church might in new and fresh ways, even greater ways than it's past, see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.